Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of I Think Podcast. Welcome back. You're joined by Julia Costa, Lily Devon, and Adlan Hidat. Today, we'll be having a rewind of one of the most memorable years that humankind has ever faced. We'll be covering the positive things that we've experienced, the negative things that has impacted us, and more importantly, be reminded of the roller coaster ride that we've been experiencing over the past eight months. More importantly, we'll also be including our reactions and hopefully you'll stick around for the ride. So, Lily, if you could start us off. Hey guys, welcome back to IE Think Podcast. Today, we're going to do a bit of a rewind, just recap the past couple months of 2020 that have felt pretty much like years and talk about how time is basically an illusion and we have to keep our perspectives intact in order to come out of this on the other side. So we're going to be touching on a couple of things that, you know, coming from a place of privilege, we're, you know, staying at home, doing uni from home, trying to figure it all out ourselves. But we're going to be taking a look uh, a little closer at some stuff that defined 2020, um, defined the people coming out on the other side of all of this, and the events in between that have shaped our year. Um, so I guess we would start off with the brand new year. Everyone's stoked for 2020, uh, getting really excited. It's our year, and uh, then I guess we started off pretty immediately, December 31st, the Third World War. So, I don't know about you guys, but I saw a lot of memes, like a lot of memes in the U.S. about this. It was kind of a little bit rough, considering that there were like a lot of protesters being attacked at the U.S. Embassy. There was um, a drone strike. There were ballistic missiles. It was actually a very serious topic, but all I saw was jokes about it. Did you guys see a lot of media on it? Was it more like news coverage in your places? I don't know. For me, it was literally all media content. Well, I remember on January 2nd, the Iranian general, Qassam Soleimani, was killed by a U.S. drone strike ordered by President Donald Trump. And when I first saw it, I thought, okay, maybe this is the final domino and the piece, pieces of dominoes where we could see a third world war and we could see something that is actually happening with two countries that actually possess nuclear armaments. And this is something crazy. It wasn't, when I saw the memes, it was crazy because everybody was talking about how they're going to get enlisted and everybody was going to start fighting and people are going to make excuses why they can't join the war. But obviously that didn't turn out. And thankfully, we're not having a third world war. And going on to that, on January 8th, Iran launched ballistic missiles at two military bases in Iraq, and it injured many, many people. And as we can see, the, the domino is still tipping. And do you guys think something's going to happen sooner or later if we turn into 2020, 2021? I mean, you know, as an American, I feel like I have to be prepared for that just because President Trump, I mean, this is obviously my opinion personally. I just think he's kind of a volatile individual. So despite any differences that I have politically, I just think it's a little bit um, a sensitive subject in that at any time there could really be a lot of damage done by such like a, you know, unfortunately powerful leader. And so I think it's that kind of scared, you know, the crap out of me because I'm an international student, you know, like people at school are going to ask me questions about this because it's an American topic. And I mean, it's pretty dicey. <laughs> And that's very well said. I mean, as an American, I'm very much, I'm from Malaysia. I'd, it's something that I don't really touch with. And just seeing it as a third person observant, you're kind of laughing at the situation, but you're also kind of scared. You're just like, oh, is this actually going to happen in 1945 where people, or sorry, 1939 where people 
aware that a second world war is going to come? Like, are these something right. that you're supposed to be prepared or is it something that just one day you wake up and it's, oh, you're in the second world war or, oh, you're in the midst of a war and you don't know when it's going to end? Totally. And actually, you know, what was really interesting that I found out during all of this was because one of my friends, he was kind of the only other person I knew in the U.S. that took it seriously. And he was talking about how when people file certain student loans, this um, program called the FAFSA in America, when you are liable to the government for these loans for your education, you're actually put into a draft list. So oh. if a war had started, all of these kids that were on, you know, government money for student loans, unbeknownst to them, pretty much, they would be drafted, which is totally insane. And I was like, wow, this really affects a larger community than they think. And they're busy sending around memes all day, no. which is pretty, it's pretty, un, like, it's pretty desensitized. Like, if you think about it, all these people that, like, technically would have to go to war at age 18 uh, are sending memes in their group chats. And that's the extent of the news that they have on the subject. And they're not prepared at all? Like, they don't have any military experience? No, it's just like an emergency draft system. It's it's really wild. Like I think that was what kind of scared me was that it really did affect a large population and it was kind of overlooked almost. Like people saw it as like, oh well, they'll never hurt the U.S. And I was like, well, uh, they might hurt you in different ways. You you might want to be careful. <laughs> That's very but, very true. But yeah, on the I think other it was. Side... <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah. go on, Lily. I was just to say, kind of a tough way to start the year. <laughs> it is a tough way to start the year. And I think what we're going to talk about as we go across the pond, as they say, in America <laughs> or, in the, or in the UK, something extraordinary, extraordinary happened with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. So, Julia, if you want to talk about it. Yeah, so Prince Harry and Meghan Markle announced that they are, were stepping down from their duties as senior royals in the Buckingham Palace. And I think that was one of the first things as well in 2020 that did uh, strike the world by storm because it's not something that people were, that people expected. And at first, personally, I didn't think it was going to happen when I started hearing rumors about it. I don't know about you guys, but then when it actually happened, it was, it was, one of the things that was very strange. Um, but I think that then, right after that, we move on to, you know, January 31st in the same month, and the United Kingdom withdrew from their European Union. Um, the, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, I think it was kind of like a really weird time and transition because, you know, obviously they moved um, to the US for the time being. And I think that was kind of weird because I think it shook, definitely it shook the UK a lot more than the US. The US was kind of like, oh, there are, there are royals among us. Like, okay, cool, good for you. But I think in the UK, obviously, because this was pretty unprecedented, really a huge, a huge mark, which seems to be an assessment to Harry and Meghan, because they seem to be making a lot of different marks throughout all of society, not even considering Brexit, which... I don't know much about, but Adla, would you like to speak on Brexit for a second? I mean, I would like to talk about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. I think Prince Harry and Meghan Markle <laughs> on war are one of the most definitive and like quintessential couples around right now. And they're more, they're more than just a power couple per, per se. They're like, for example, Meghan Markle is definitive of what it means to be a fem feminist. She's very much doing active movement with um, working with the UN and Prince Harry has been working with intergovernmental organizations and nonprofit organizations as well for the entirety of his upbringing, upbringing as well as his career. And we see how they're shaping what it means to be a monarchy. They're shaping what it means to 
be the heads of to be a royal couple, for example, and they're changing the meaning. I think they're modernizing their role. They're modernizing their perception of what it means to be a royal, and they're trying to, and they're trying to lead their own path in life. You know, and I think that's something that's very courageous, and that is something that, on the other side, we could also pinpoint to Brexit. It's something where,、um, basically, the UK government doesn't believe that the EU, the EU plan and EU, EU deal is happening, and it's. And it's effective with country, and we can see how there's a shift in the UK, and there's a shift in mindset whereby people are trying to find their own way out, and they don't think that being together and being in one group that is that you can't really have a you can't really have a definitive、um, outside decision on. It's something that scares people, and maybe these are the reasons why people are taking these steps and just trying to become more independent. Definitely. And I think it's kind of huge that、um, obviously these important moments are happening. Like while we're still here, you know, like it's kind of interesting that we get to see like all of these things happen throughout 2020. But I think this was kind of like one of those. I think I feel like actually the whole year has kind of been the exact opposite of what we'd anticipated. You know, like all of these huge movements, all these huge changes, and then we capitalize on that with let's say the coronavirus, <laughs> just absolutely out of nowhere. Everyone is kind of put on hold. Well, not put on hold, but、uh, the world goes up into a lot of chaos because on, I believe it was January seventh, the World World Health Organization is notified of the COVID nineteen coronavirus、uh, out of Wuhan, China, and、um, that was obviously the epicenter. They went into a really insane, unprecedented lockdown, and it impacted you know all of its eleven million residents, which is. Huge in China, and、um, like especially as someone that you know, I lived in China for a long time. I lived, grew up in Asia, and so I think it was really wild knowing that while I'm off at school, you know, my dad was still there, my friends and family, a lot of them were still there and experiencing this impact of spreading lockdown, this disease. And I mean, at first, I know at least where I was in Madrid, I I didn't feel the impact of it. Certainly not in, on January seventh,、um, and so I think. As things spread, obviously it got more and more、um, into you know the effects of the mental health, the effects of the lockdown, the effects of all these components that made up this Corona experience, I suppose for all of us.、Um, but it was huge and it shook Europe as well. I mean, Italy became the first country to do a nationwide lockdown, and、uh, from there, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's just been radiating out into obviously more of the world, but more of society even. And this is a question that I really want to ask you, as well as Julia. I'm sorry for interrupting you. When our university first got closed down, and we were told that we were going to be in a two-week quarantine, what was your reaction? What was your like? What was going through your head? Right.、Um, I was just going to talk about that now, like the phases that we. I think we've all been through throughout this time that we've been in quarantine, or just with the virus in general. Because,、um, for example, personally, in the beginning, I didn't. Think of it in the grand two, or yeah, or the way that it is right now. I didn't give it much thought. I was initially going to stay in Spain, and I thought everything was going to, you know, be normal. But then、um, after quarantine started and we started seeing everything happening around the world, that's when I think everybody really understood what was happening and the effect that it had not only worldwide but within each one of us. Absolutely. 
Um, I think, I don't know. I, I think in the very beginning I was kind of like, oh, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of like the invincibility thing. I was like, well, it's not going to bother me. So it's whatever. Um, and I remember the week that everything shut down, you know, it was the week of, I think March 9th, something like that. And, um, my parents, you know, they, they read some stuff and they're like, oh, maybe you should consider flying home soon. And I was like, oh, I have a flight for spring break. You know, it's a couple weeks, whatever. And then they called me in the middle of the night and they were like, Trump is shutting the borders. You have a flight, um, tomorrow morning. And I was like, oh, okay then. So that's that. And I think that's when that moment of like, oh, this is real. Like this affects us on a personal level, on an educational level, on all levels. Um, whereas at first I felt like I was invincible to it. I didn't see it as really a big deal. And um, I think because I was in the US for the duration of this, you know, I've been here for um, five months, I guess. And I have seen the way that they've treated it as opposed to other countries. I think personally, my family is taking it on a different level because we have family that lives abroad. They've told us their experiences. Um, but a lot of America, you know, it really doesn't, I don't think it's settled in as much because when you ask someone in the US, oh, do you know someone who's been affected by Corona? The answer is usually no, because the population is so widespread. And I guess it doesn't have as much overlap as you'd think. But because, you know, friends from school, their their families have been affected. I feel as though it's a lot more personal, a lot more serious. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I, I also think that I definitely use this time in quarantine to, uh, you know, explore some hobbies, uh, particularly TikTok. <laughs> I think it was just like, this was the time to like, people were all like, you know, everyone's working from home. Everything's on video. Everything's, you know, like we're doing right now, a video conference calls a lot of, um, obviously technological reliance, but I feel like TikTok definitely blew up a lot more than other things, which I thought was particularly funny. It was just a bunch of people trying to figure out what to do with their time and uh, sending it to each other. <laughs> but did you guys have any like experiences during Corona that were like particularly either scary slash funny? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think that for me, when it comes to like hobbies or even anything in general, in the beginning, I went through this kind of like, I think a lot of people did too, um, like take this time to do things for myself that I usually wouldn't do because I thought, oh my God, I had so much more time in my hands. And then, and I started like, I started working out so much more than I used to. And I started doing so many things. But then by the end of the first month, I was burnt out from the amount of things. And it felt so weird because I was at home too. So it's like, I shouldn't be this tired, but I am. Um, totally. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And talking to a few friends, they went through the same thing of like, I'm home. So I should be doing, you know, reading all these books. I should be working out. I should be this, getting into that. And then at the end, it was like, I can't do it all. It was, it was weird. And I think that's like actually a huge testament to like the mental health awareness that was brought up during quarantine. You know, people trying to make sure that because we have all of this free time, all of this self-reliant time almost, like we have to manage our own, um, I don't know, manage our atmosphere, manage everything we do within that, um, totally affects our mental health. And I think that was a huge thing worldwide was a lot of, um, articles published, a lot of like seminars, like Instagram and whatever other social media lives talking about it. And I think it was kind of actually a big community that like kind of came together to be like, let's do meditation in the mornings on live or like join this yoga Zoom class. And I was like, wow, that's delightful. Like I love to see that people are kind of working together, you know, and of course there was also like, you know, 
some advantages to it that I feel like in the first part of quarantine, the roughest, at least made me feel like, okay, well, I might be stuck at home, but, you know, pollution is down. And, you know, there was like wildlife that returned to Venice and, you know, all these great little things that kind of felt like, okay, maybe things suck, but there definitely is somewhat of a positive, you know? Right. I'm happy, and I'm happy you and I'm happy you brought up mental health because we had an episode of that like on episode four of I think podcast and it's something that I adopted into my daily life actually where we talked to some of the people that are you mentoring and wellness center and they talked about how you don't really have to always compare yourself it's okay not to know what you're doing you always have to find your own ground and try to find maintain balance within your life and not try to try to basically burn yourself out and it's something that I think all of us had to learn single-handedly. It's something that we've been told over and over and over again. But I guess we were just like, okay, we're just at home. I guess, like, how bad could it be? And then you realize that, like, you know, you're, you're, you're your own person, your own, like, villain in this point, And you're the person that you're comparing yourself to all the time. And, like, you, I think it's one thing that we want our listeners to remind themselves is that it's okay wherever you are just understand that whatever you're doing is okay if you're improving step by step that's at least a step in the right direction absolutely i think in terms of you know the weight of the world right now like just getting by getting through your day making your bed occasionally washing your face these are all little baby steps you know at least you're doing something you're not just like you know letting the quarantine kind of wash over you in a way that would definitely be worse coming out the other side you know all of this is we have to think of it as a temporary situation, trying to remain aware of what we need at this time and not what others are doing that influences us a hundred percent. And I know that at least being in the U S it was like really a tumultuous time because um, a lot of, you know, everything happened with George Floyd and that began a lot of protests and then a lot of uproar from other people about the protests. And it was just a lot of um, contention within different communities of the world. And I think that because all of this happening during a global pandemic, it obviously created some constraints that were really unfortunate for such an important movement um, happening across the nation, across the world, really, because there were so many protests and support from other countries, which was beautiful. Um, but I do think that, that all of that happening with the pressures of social distancing and, you know, wearing masks, staying sanitized, that was really a big constraint. Um, so speaking about George Floyd and all of this information, that's very important for us to stay aware on. Um, on May 25th, um, George Floyd, who was, you know, a, an American citizen living his life, um, he died in police custody after a, he was 46, just for your reference. Um, and he died in Minneapolis uh, after being handcuffed and pinned to the ground by Officer Derek Chauvin, I'm not sure how you say it, but he was in fact a white police officer um, and he was, you know, um, he went viral basically because bystanders took videos, which really does show the power of media, especially during times like this, because this video of um, George Floyd saying that he can't breathe while this officer is, has his knee on his neck was really powerful to others. And it was quite disturbing to watch because it was just incited so much pain and um, almost kind of shock, I suppose, that people, you know, we hear about all of this stuff all the time, but it doesn't seem so real, but this video made it concrete, I feel. Um, So, I mean, I don't know about your experiences with any of this. I I feel because I was in America, it was obviously 
you know, I went to protests and I, I saw the results of that. I saw some rioting, especially in Los Angeles. Um, but it was, it was a big moment, I think, in America. It was very much a turning point, which I thought was important, especially considering that this is all happening with everything else happening in tandem. But think, do you guys have any I think it was, that movie? As well as what we saw in America, I think it was very much an international conversation. This was a conversation that was untapped, and we've heard so much of the Black Lives Matter movement for like several years now. But this was a change where it was like a trigger where people actually woke up, their eyes were actually lit up, and we could actually see what was happening and the injustices that we saw and the injustices that are around ourselves and that are affecting our everyday lives for people for people who have are or who are of color and who are of minorities in America as well as around the world. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, on, on that point of be, it becoming an international conversation, I think that that was really important because, for example, uh, coming from Brazil, where uh, the majority of our population is Black and still racism is so prevalent in the country, at least in my bubble, it was something that wasn't talked about enough or almost not at all. And after the death of George Floyd, it is something that is being talked about so much more in the media um, with, with my bubble and with different bubbles as well. So I think it really, really brought light to a conversation that should have been brought light to a lot before. And yeah, we're finally talking about it now. Yeah, and um, I think at least in, in my personal experience, this is definitely from an American viewpoint, um, I, I believe, I don't know exactly what time frame it was. I was very early in high school um, when Michael Brown was also killed um, in the same area, same circumstances of being threatened by the police and um, kind of, you know, executing police brutality. But um, I th feel as though that made America angry and then this made America change. You know, this was a catalyst for real concrete change. People were not just angry on the side, people were angry up front, you know, and they were willing to show that dedication to the movement. They were willing to make these sacrifices to show how important it was. And of course there was a lot of police brutality in, in you know, um, retaliation to these protests, a lot of control, a lot of, um, power of authority being shown and I think it was just so important that we're having these conversations we're opening the doors to making this change and using the Black Lives Matter movement as um, kind of a, a marker of where the movement that you know Martin Luther King Jr. started so many years ago in America how it's expanded worldwide you know how all of this is not just an American problem how it's a problem that America and the world all need to take a look at and um, kind of come together on. And I think that that was actually great that we had this opportunity for social media sharing, because at least um, for me, it was very educational to view all of these different um, definitions, explanations, um, terminology almost, you know, learning that you should say black and indigenous people of color instead of just people of color, because that encompasses a different circle. Even just that that notion is was new to me. So I think it was kind of this huge, um, all-encompassing moment of everyone was posting, everyone was trying to share this education and create almost a new dialogue over social media that can be used for activism and power to the people, you know, um, which I thought was very important. And um, I think that that kind of is still obviously important in this moment, you know, it's August, but it's still happening. It still has that momentum that's so important. 
And um, in terms of reflecting back on how this year has changed us, I think that, of course, there are smaller moments, which we'll get to in a minute. But I think that all of these big, you know, movements of people, these, uh, this motion that we've created is just so important in coming out on the other side of this, a stronger world, a world with better priorities, maybe. And um, yeah, I think that's just like an important point. So I guess we can touch on a couple other funnier things, smaller things that have happened in 2020, just so that we can, you know, see a little bit of the upside that has been the last eight months. Um, Before before we move forward, Lily, I just want to say that that was something that was amazing what you said. And I think like the fact that you emphasize that we need to open up dialogue, it's something that is something, it's something that we have to remind ourselves, especially being in diverse community in IE. It's something that we need to emphasize now. It's something that we need to be proactive on. It's something that we have to monitor. It's something that we have to make ours. It's, it has to be personal. It has to be something that we actually emphasize on and something that we put on a pedestal because we need to understand its importance. Absolutely. And I think as people that, um, you know, I know you guys well enough to say this, like people that of course want to like make the best of um, our role as allies to these kinds of communities, you know, it's of course the responsibility of others, but it's really truly our responsibility to keep those things in motion where from the position of privilege, like we talked about earlier, this position of privilege that we have is so important in making sure that we talk about these topics of, um, of contention. You know, people don't like to talk about things that are uncomfortable, that are previously undiscussed. But especially at IE, I think it's important that we keep these conversations alive and um, kind of like stoke the flames of it so that we can continue this, you know, this movement, not just within our communities at home, not with just within ourselves and our um personal media, but in real life, face-to-face when we can do it, and within these circles that we wouldn't normally bring up these topics in, you know? It's just, it's a big year, and I feel like this is the change that we need, and the change that we can be, especially at IE, with, like you said, such a diverse community. Exactly. So moving on from that, in February 2020, Harvey Weinstein was also found guilty of rape, and this is when a jury convicted him of, sorry, guys, a felony sex crime and rape, but acquitted him of the most serious charges against him and predatory sexual assault. And we know Harvey Weinstein as one of the biggest producers in Hollywood. And you can see that he's been working with some of the biggest A-listers, some of the biggest stars that you've seen in Hollywood. And what was your reaction to that, Julia? I think that, I mean, to be completely, completely honest, when the news came out, I wasn't that surprised because there have been a lot of highlights on on similar uh, occurrences before with other uh, you know big names out there. Recently, during this time, there was also the um, the documentary on Jeffrey Epstein that came out and uh, the news about everything around that. And I think that. For a lot of us, it, it's also something that opened up a whole new conversation as well about um, about rape, even though it's something that we, we have been talking about for a long time. But it's, I think, like Lily said as well, um, I think there was a lot of anger around it. And now we're sh- maybe shifting towards more change when it comes to it. And... Um, and that's extremely, extremely important. I think, especially now that there isn't much that we can do from home, what we can do is get educated. So 
when when you know things kind of go back to normal when we go back to our daily lives we can take these things that we're learning now into account apply it to our daily lives and help whoever needs help and also understand where we stand on certain things um and yeah what do you guys think about it um once again being an american especially being from los angeles i think it was kind of um of course, you know, we've been hearing about it previously to his conviction and all of that, but I think it was just, like, so disturbing to know that, you know, in my, like, hometown, in an area that's truly not that far away from me, in an industry that I grew up, like, witnessing, that all of this that was so prevalent um, in the golden age of Hollywood, you know, decades ago, it's still such a huge factor in the success of a lot of artists you know people like Harvey Weinstein really just go to show that the industry can be truly corrupt in that they manipulate there's a lot of um, exploitation and it's just um, it's sad that such an important industry for the arts an important industry for society almost is so filled with this um, I don't know how to explain it. These like dirty little secrets that everyone's been trying to cover up for so many years. So honestly, when he was convicted, I felt as though it was almost a relief that someone was genuinely held accountable for their actions. When you know that there's more than one Harvey Weinstein in Hollywood, we could probably name a few off the top of our heads. So I thought that it was a huge change. You know, I thought it was a huge moment um, in that this judgment truly did um, make a statement. Of course, it's sad that um, the certain charges weren't pressed against him um, to the fullest conviction, I suppose. But I think that at least it was a starting place. And I know that that's not exactly what everyone wants to hear. But, you know, once again, it's, it's baby steps, just trying to make it through to get to that change eventually. It, it starts small, unfortunately. And I think this was at least one mark in the right direction. Definitely. And I think so. Sorry, I think similar to no. the Black Lives Movement, you could say that it's stirring up a different dialogue. You're talking about the treatment of women within the within the movie industry, within the movie sector, uh, within Hollywood as well. And then with the Black Lives Matter, you're talking about the treatment of basically African Americans. And yeah. what is the changing point in 2020 is that we're having more conversations. We're willing to expose ourselves, and we're becoming less and less ignorant, if you could say that. I completely agree. And I think it's also like we're um, more willing to expose ourselves to things that weren't previously within our realm of knowledge, or maybe even ones that we had denied previously, ones that, you know, you see it, but if you know too much, then you feel guilty about it almost. And I think that these conversations have kind of started that, like, you can feel guilty and still do something, you know, you can still exactly. have been, you can still, there's, like I've been seeing a lot on social media, there's always an opportunity to change your opinion, to gain more knowledge, to take the right side, you know, the, the moral side. If you previously didn't understand it, at least this is now an opportunity for you to have your eyes wide open, you know? And um, I think also in terms of exposure, <laughs> um, nice segue, uh, I, you know, as Parasite won the Oscar for Best Film, I feel like that opened a huge door. I mean, once again, in America, uh, I know that subtitled films aren't super popular because people feel alienated almost by them, not understanding what's happening um, so easily. But it was a huge, that was a huge moment, you know, that this, this um, South Korean directed and produced and casted thriller film was so uh, widespread, was so immediately important to society. That's huge. What did, did you guys see it? What do you think? 
I actually didn't watch the movie, but I saw the news about it. I am dying to watch it. I will watch it tonight. I've watched so it a few times, and I think it's one of the greatest movies. On a personal level, I think it's great because I'm Malaysian. And one of the biggest things that it struck to me was its Asian representation within, the, within Hollywood and within the movie industry. You can see how Western media has always portrayed Asians as something as almost inferior. You're playing the nerd role. You're playing the guy who doesn't really talk to anyone. And with Parasite, you're talking about creativity. You're talking about acting and intensity. You can see Asian representation is breaking out of its shell. And it's being something that is super, super exciting for me. And I think it's super, super exciting for all Asians around the world as well. Absolutely. And I think that it was kind of um, just a huge like moment for media almost in that like there was kind of this revolution of, like you said, representation. You know, Hollywood is very uh, white centric. And I think America in itself can be very, um, it can capitalize a lot on Western culture in the way that they think it is. And this was obviously like a revolutionary moment of appreciating media from other cultures that represents other cultures and isn't disguised as Western culture, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah. And so past that, I think we just have a few other little moments. And, and um, I think kind of there was a lot of like, obviously, like we've talked about media exposure, but there was a lot of, you know, little things that happened this year that were great that also got some media time, which was you know, the bushfires in Australia finally stopped after 240 days, which was, you know, the most positive news that they've had in some time, said New South Wales. So I think that's great. I mean, that's a, like at least one upturn of 2020. And um, I think there were a couple other things. Um, Same-sex marriage was finally legalized in Costa Rica, whereby the president of the country, Carlos Alvarado, congratulated the first couple to marry saying that you have begun a law you have begun in law what has existed in love stating the fact that the legalization of same-sex marriage is something that should not be discriminated against and is something that should be allowed within the country which is huge <laughs> once yeah. again and yeah. uh and then I think to finish it off, there are now a few places that are free of COVID-19, which I think is crazy to hear about because, you know, after you hear for so many months that, uh, about, you know, the waves in different places, it's so, it's beautiful to see. And some of these places include New Zealand, Tanzania, Fiji, Vatican City, Montenegro, Seychelles, uh, St. Kitts and Nevis, uh, and a bunch of other places as well. And I think that just brings to light that, you know, there really is a light at the end of the tunnel. We're all going to get through this hopefully very soon. And in the meantime, I think we're going in the right path in terms of, you know, understanding ourselves, understanding the world around us and educating ourselves on everything that we're seeing. And I think also understanding that whenever, I mean, this is coming from a personal place, I think, to never walk into any room thinking that you know everything and always, you know, walk into a room and be ready to learn something from somebody else. And to understand that there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, acknowledging that you are wrong, as long as you're willing to learn after that. Absolutely. Um, Perfect. And just, yeah, a hundred percent. That was, that was 
perfect. And I, I think that like one last topic that we should just touch on. Um, obviously, we started doing some research on all of these rewind topics um, before this had happened. But a really important component of 2020, you know, very recently, it would be the explosion that happened in Lebanon. Um, you know, it devastated the port of Beirut um, completely and caused a lot of significant physical damage, a lot of injury, and um, really just a lot of heartache. You know, there was significant uh, destruction happening in this city that relies so heavily on its ports. And it's quite devastating to watch that, you know, people are trying to come together and create this community to help fix things. But it's very difficult in a place such as Lebanon that relies so much on important exports in this particular area. Um, but I think it's kind of another testament to 2020, you know, we're tr doing our best to come together, whether that's media or face to face, trying to make some changes, create that community that can help us move forward and, um, come back better than before. So I think it's one of those moments that obviously shook, I mean, at least shook me. I, I have a best friend that lives there, was there. And I think it's difficult when, you know, you have that personal level, but as a society, I think it's, once again, just one of those moments that people have really attempted to come together and create that community of love and nurturing, um, nurturing feeling for everyone that was affected. And through all of these moments of 2020 that have needed that nurturing, have needed that community, I feel as though, you know, we might be dealing with a global pandemic, but at least everyone is able to create that feeling across nations, across whatever, you know, over the phone, just doing their best to be there, be educated and show up. And um, yeah, I, I think that touches on a lot of our stuff. Does anyone have any last thoughts? I think what you said about what happened in Lebanon, I think it struck a chord in a lot of our hearts. Being part of the IE community, no matter what country you're from, either you've been to Lebanon, if you've never been to Lebanon, if it's the first time you've ever heard of Lebanon, I think everyone within the IE community knows someone who is Lebanese and who has, is going through something right now. And I think it's amazing to show or like we, it's something that we need to remind ourselves and it's something that we need to be there for them because we need to show our support for them and we need to help them whatever way they can, whatever way we can as well. Absolutely. And um, also you guys, I think what we can do, you know, as I think is we'll, we'll link some, petitions, uh, donation centers, all of that important stuff that you guys can inform yourselves, educate yourselves, and be a part of all of these movements that we've been previously discussing in the podcast. So um, all the information that you might need on just to touch a little further, um, connect a little more, we can definitely do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's about it, everyone. That's 2020. <laughs> so, that's far. so far. Anyone have any last words, though? <sighs> think we got them all out <laughs> yeah i mean i just wanted to say that on a personal level i think 2020 has been one that allowed me to reflect on life allowed me to reflect on society and i'm so happy that we're doing this episode because we're actually reflecting on everything that happened within the last eight months and it's it's been a whirlwind of a ride to be honest yeah. it truly has yeah. And honestly, I'm just like, I'm very happy that we're a part of a community that, you know, wants to put this information out further and really like get it on the table, you know, like, I'm happy to know you guys who we can, we can have this conversation and be very candid about all of our thoughts, and also come from such different perspectives and still come together. I think that's just a really great moment and, you know, a great community to be a part of. Yeah. All right.
episode six. Happy New Year! Do you guys? <laughs> that was a wrap on season one. Woo! And I hope you guys join us for season two. So, from all of us at I Think Podcast, enjoy your summer break, and we'll be ready to see you next semester in person. <laughs>